nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Live from Swansea, this is the Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Hello and welcome to Swansea the Twilight Show. Meet Nathan Gint. This week on Teachers Talk Radio, we're talking about being stuck in the middle of edgy debates. I'm joined by Peter and Adam, both experienced educators, to discuss is there a middle ground for teachers between trad and prog, between group work and recall, between nurture and slant. So tune in and talk it out. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea, welcome to the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Gint here on Teachers Talk Radio, and I feel like already I need to rename it, two weeks ago when I did my last Twilight Show, it actually was Twilight, we'd hit that bit of the year where it actually is Twilight when we're doing the show, it's midnight out there at the moment, it's midnight and it's raining, and so... We're going to be taking a look at some of those arguments that happen, I'm going to say predominantly over social media, and I'm joined by a couple of guests. Now, I can see Alan. Are you in the studio already? Good evening. Uh, now, Alan, you're a little bit quiet there. If you Are you able to move a little bit closer to the microphone, possibly? Uh, how about that? Well, still uh, just a touch. So we're going to work on that as we go through and see if we can't get you just a little bit louder. Um, now, um Alan, we, you know, when I when I put this out there, um, you know, I was looking for, you know, people in the middle, possibly, you know, I, I don't want to say we're in the middle for everything. But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your kind of your point of views or your where you stand on some of these issues, I guess. Uh, absolutely. With uh, with absolute irreverence and frivolity. <laughs> Fantastic. Who I am uh, for people listening in and joining in the the chat tonight uh you'll know me as the morning mugshot man uh in the teacher five o'clock club that's where i hang out on the twitter sphere and what is it you do within your 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 day-to-day role your job oh in the real world i'm a, a teacher in east london i teach primary uh from uh nursery all the way up to year six uh for um for a multi-academy trust which has got a couple of secondaries and uh because they've got a couple of secondaries they've uh, uh seconded me uh to uh to work with the uh, year 13 a-level students as well oh wow so that can be a, a, quite a change in a day then are you, are you move, doing that within a day moving from primary to all the way up within one day yeah uh so back in um uh, covid2 i suppose uh some people might like to think of it as during 2020 2020 2021 uh i was commuting twice uh twice a week uh to the uh, school in milton Keynes, um and spending my uh my day uh 40 of my week uh two days a week uh with my uh, brilliant a-level students i mean that in itself is a con- uh, controversial call because uh uh, some people will say you ain't uh, you ain't a proper A level teacher. You were uh, you just tagged them. Well, do, do you know what I? You know, as someone myself who's moved between primary and secondary, I do see differences, and I think that's going to bring up maybe a real uh, different perspective to the debate. Now, I can see Peter has joined us as well. Peter, can you hear me? 
You might just need to click on that unmute. You're muted at the moment, Peter. Yes, sorry, I can hear you. I've been having a little trouble with my headphones, unfortunately, which has been trying to rectify but can't. So uh... Uh, you're coming through loud and clear as it is. So you know, I think I think we will be fine. Now we were just talking a little bit about kind of our own personal backgrounds. What you know, I don't want to say because I think. I, I struggle to pick a side, so I'm not saying like which side we, we are on, but what we do. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners, Peter? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, it's Peter Mattock. I'm uh, 15 years just over now, nearly 16 years in as a teacher. Uh, I worked in secondary schools as a teacher of maths mainly and I'm currently working and as an assistant principal in an 11 to 16 school. Fantastic. And so, you know, I think we've got a, a, a bit of a range within us. You know, I, I will say, you know, I, I do, uh, I have worked and I have been a, a primary deputy, so I can bring some of that early years. But if there are people listening who want to try and bring in a different perspective, you know, because I'm very conscious, at least that people do say that uh, edgy debates get overwhelmed by secondary. I know we're not necessarily that within it. But we're talking about edu debates tonight and maybe you know i'm going to say the hostile side of platforms like twitter edu twitter and the arguments that create sides um i'm hoping through this discussion we'll maybe make some younger teachers who've, who've stumbled into it sort of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed feel a little more comfort comforted that it's not a war zone that they've just stepped into um but if we start with alan what would be kind of a go-to example for you of the kind of heated debates that you think you know teachers are getting involved with well this is exactly um what i was uh saying and thinking uh, as you were introducing our uh our, our agenda for this evening nathan that uh, you ain't a teacher it's that it's it's as simple as that every summer every holiday i seem to see a thread of replies talking about you ain't a teacher and it it happened last last half term last week um and people trying to sort of pick sides and say well um what about um uh, private tutors to, uh, do private tutors consider themselves as teachers do uh, people who work in early years consider themselves as teachers um so it's um it's that's that's the kind of um uh, one uh, corner of it and then you go to the other much perhaps much more academic uh stance and talking about um pedagogical approaches and uh, um and last week and the last few days i've seen um my uh, my timeline on fire with uh, so why why on earth do you teach that in primary computing and why on earth do you teach coding to uh, boys and girls in early years when uh, they haven't got a uh, any kind of prospect of um ever working as uh, um, as uh, the second in command to Steve Jobs or Elon Musk. Yeah, and I think, you know, the first one there that you brought up, I find, I find really interesting because from my point of view, and I'm sure some people involved in that debate about what is a teacher, who is a teacher, who isn't, um, feel kind of really passionately that it does affect their jobs. When I think to myself as an NQT, an ECT, I don't think that would have been top of my list of concerns you know and I certainly understand what you you know when you're saying about the um you know timeline being on fire I once flippantly said that I didn't like having a desk in a classroom it was the first thing I got rid of I got a thousand comments sort of saying that I was a saying I was a monster um when in fact I just don't like clutter 
I don't like the clutter of a teacher's desk. But yeah, a, a thousand people told me I was a monster. Um, so Peter, what about yourself? What, what what kind of things do you see or, or would you be pitching as these kind of edgy debates that go on? Yeah, I mean, I think Alan's uh, has, uh, has covered them quite nicely there in terms of the big ones. You know, you get the... the um pedagogical ones the the sort of classic education theory ones you know we're sure we're going to talk about prog and trad at some point progressive and traditional for those teachers that are listening and don't know those terms of which there are many uh who don't you know uh put themselves into either camp there um we get everything don't we i mean i've i've seen it blow up but there are nice ones as well you know you get the you get the annual one that teacher tap starts every year about Bullet point markers versus chisel point markers. Where are you at? <laughs> Things like that as well. So there, there, you know, there is a fun side to it, but those those heated ones, I think Alan has summarised very nicely in terms of you know, what does it mean to be a teacher? What does it mean to teach well? What does it mean to do the best by your students? Those are the ones that cause the uproar. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you touched on the trad and prog, as it gets shortened to, but the, you know, sort of traditional and progressive teachers. And I have to, you know, when I think back, I, th- I must have been in year five of teaching before I really kind of clocked on to that that was a thing or that was a camp that maybe you could ascribe to. And I'd somehow sort of missed it. Would not It wasn't explicitly said that there were these kind of groups within my training. Um is that is that the kind of thing you're talking about there, Peter, with like, you know, that people might not know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, unless you have, I mean, you know, I'm sure people listening to this either now or later on, later on afterwards will, will have varied opinions about why you didn't hear about it in teacher training and similarly why I didn't hear about it in teacher training. Many people will lean towards the fact that teacher training at the time was inherently progressive anyway and they weren't going to highlight the existence of any alternatives but it's you know mainly it's for the first few years certainly you're just about trying to figure out what the blooming hell you're doing and and you know where that's where that sits within a a historical framework of, of education theory is not for most forefront in your mind no, you know, I'd say just surviving for me in those first few years was, you know, d- delivering some lessons and not being too bad was was probably all that was on my mind, not the kind of intricacies of whether I was being a trad or a prog at that given lesson. Now, Alan, um, I'm going to throw back to you. Um, do you think it's teaching that does this? Are we just an arguing profession? I'm not sure. I think it's perhaps a product of... Uh, of um... The, the platform that's brought us together tonight. Uh, mm. And uh, this is what sort of 44 billion buys you, uh, Mr. Musk. Um, and uh, coming back to sort of the more trivial uh, side of, um, of the Twitter sphere, um, one of the things I've, I've started kind of doing is uh, doing my Insta feature, where um, there are some corners of the teaching community on social media who uh, want to preserve social media discussion for uh, purely professional reasons but i don't see that i don't i don't need that um so i just fill my timeline with um with all sorts of nonsense and i saw somebody um i can't remember who it was i think it was uh, somebody like senko re or somebody uh with some some similar twitter handle who uh who was doing that very thing and they got shot down 
but but and I cannot understand why, and and people being really really um, so so angry about just seeing a, another cake with uh, Edu Twitter or um, uh, or uh, Edu Teach, and it's like, well, I'm sorry, but that's 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 not the purpose of this kind of debate, really. Surely. You, there's there's more to life than saying you you uh, you shouldn't be wasting my time by showing me another another um, survey about chocolates and uh, using edu Twitter as a as a hashtag. Yeah, you, do you know I I have seen you know some people use Twitter differently and without there being a, a, a kind of different uh, set of rules and I, I I'm on Instagram a little bit as well so I see some of the stuff on there and how that's used kind of just sharing stuff sharing life and that's kind of more how I use um, Twitter and I, I I do get into some of the discussion or I like to kind of know follow up points. I'd like to think that I don't demand them in the way that I have seen done on Twitter before, which is like, you've posted this worksheet, you must answer my questions about it. Yeah, you, yeah. You, I, I demand that you explain your actions here. Yeah. Um, I, I've received DMs where they ask me to take stuff down. It's like, why? Why should I, why should I be censored by you? You have no, you have no kind of professional um, or personal relationship with me, uh, whether kind of in, in the real world or, or in the virtual world, why should I, why should you find something I've just posted so um, kind of abhorrent and, you know, to you offensive that you've asked me to take it down? Now, um, Peter, what about yourself? Do you think you know these these debates are going on in staff rooms anyway? We just sit, we we behave the same way on social media, or is it just a uniquely social media function that we all kind of let our guard down and are horrible to each other? Well, I mean, I think there's there's probably a couple of bits here, and I'm just going to touch on what Alan was talking about as well. But um, I mean, I think we've got to remember that there are different types of teachers out there, and you know, for some teaching is their their passion they live and breathe you know i i would identify as that you know i go home at night and i spend my time when i'm not working with my family or, or you know doing stuff with my family or stuff like i spend my time writing about education tweeting about education uh reading about education you know i have very few other hobbies i enjoy a few other bits and pieces but that is the main thing you know i'm really really passionate about it and i think when you get those people who who really live and breathe and are really really passionate about that what they what they do and and the you know the sphere they they occupy then of course you are going to get disagreements and you're going to get passionate disagreements about certain things uh you know and twitter has provided the platform for that potentially more than any other area so you know in terms of alan saying getting hate, hate for posting cakes and, and things like that while i wouldn't condone it i i understand a little bit about it because i'm thinking you know this seems to be trivializing the thing i'm really passionate about the other side of that of course is that and you know there are other social you want my other social media platforms for that sort of trivial daily life stuff we don't want that clogging up um but of course you know that sort of hate in any in any circumstance and that sort of vitriol is is never warranted and i will say that uh, the other thing, of course, is you've got teachers, rightly so, who, who for, for whom, you know, it's just a job. I, I want to be able to come in. I want somebody to be able to tell me what I need to do to do well. 
uh, in my job. But at the end of the day, it's just a job and I want to sort of not involve myself in things like that outside of that. And that's where, so Twitter as a platform, of course, those people who are passionate about education and young people, that's where they're coming together. And that's why we see those heated debates there that we probably don't see to the same extent in the staff room. You may see, you know, a couple of people talking about things, discussing things, but you don't, you don't, you won't see it to the same extent because you've got a much broader mix of people in schools than those people that, that just live and breathe education. Now I'm going to ask, I'm going to start with Peter with this one, if, if that's okay, is is about um, politics and um, teaching and if we can ever separate them. And the reason I'm starting there is, you know, I remember what people would see as the Gove reforms. I was a primary school maths lead at the time and there were some big changes. Now, you know, I, I don't mind sharing my, my political outlook publicly. I talk about it. I'm, I'm left wing. Um, but if I say anything positive about some of the changes, and I didn't like a lot of them, but some of the things that Gove did, then I'm immediately jumped on that it's a, a political action. Now, obviously, you've been dealing with maths across that time period. H has it felt at all like that to you? Um, yes, it has. And similar to yourself, you know, I'm a car carrier member of the Labour Party. I pay my dues uh, every month. And, and you know, I, I'm right there with that. Uh, but there are, you know, one might, if, if I had to characterise myself on this prog trad continuum, which I'm sure we will get into, um, it, I'd probably lean more towards trad. And that does, you know, from certain people's point of view, that does suggest a more conservative outlook when it comes to education. I think the, you know, the question around will educa is education political and will it ever not be political? I mean, of course it is. Um, and, the, you know, the major reason for that, which I think, again, we're going to touch on later, potentially, is that there is no consensus about what we value from an education. And that's not just political. That's everywhere. You know, with the, you don't get consensus between within teachers about what the purpose and value of an education actually is. And so the, you know, the, the what the ruling party of the day decide is valuable from education is what's going to you know motivate the the approaches that are used the uh you know the things that they want to highlight through inspection through Ofsted things like that uh and so you and I, I can't but even if you were to take education out of the political sphere as some people have argued you're still not going to get that consensus and you know, until you, so you're still not going to get sort of a consensus on, well, this is the way we're going to go about doing this because you're not going to get the consensus about what it is you are trying to do. Very true. Now, um, Alan, I'm going to throw to you now, you know, I don't want to stereotype here, but, you know, I can imagine, you know, dealing a lot with um, computing and those kind of things that that is a very project based type type teaching style would it be and, and and do you then get characterized as oh you know that must be left wing or you know if we're doing some recall of the names of the computer parts that must be right wing do you see it as teaching at all as political thankfully not thankfully not but i do uh get what you and peter were just saying about um the gove reforms because gove's 
the, the 2014 computing curriculum essentially was embraced by the computing community at large simply because of the introduction of computer programming, the, the, mm. the, the, uh, the significance of, uh, of, of um, sort of ramping that part of the curriculum up. Um, but of course, then you then bring out all of these um, sort of anti-computing um, um, uh, kind of critics, as it were, and, uh, and they then kind of say, well, actually, that's very elitist, that's very, um, th that prejudices those who uh, are already underrepresented in the, in, within the computing uh, sort of industry. So um, on that level, it, it becomes a really, really difficult um, sort of uh, situation to solve. Yeah, you know, certainly. And I think, you know, those bigger questions and, I, you know, I guess this is one of my worries as we go through and hopefully we can sell, you know, maybe any new or, or young teachers or even teachers who have just stumbled across kind of some of these debates to, to, to not scare them off that actually there is nuance, there is consideration in the middle and, that, you know, the, the extremes are loud potentially but the um that you know the, there is a kind of polite discussion or a middle ground going on um i you know i find it as i say you know i trained in wales which turns out was inherently progressive in its teacher training at the time that i did it i moved to england and then quickly was you know swallowed up with the gove reforms that, that that pushed us towards a more trad approach i think um but i've never necessarily within the act of teaching within planning my lessons considered it as a as a political act if that makes sense uh, absolutely but i mean my my background is uh, sort of in before um, teaching uh, was in um, uh, the civil service and in politics uh, my uh, undergraduate degree was in uh, politics i i've gone on to uh, study uh, educational leadership uh, to postgraduate level and I can see the transformation from this kind of philanthropic origin of education in, back in Victorian times uh, to this um, model of education as an as an economic instrument um, in the early 1970s and the drive for a national curriculum and the uh, the, the comparison of our uh, of the English system uh, um, on a on an international scale yeah you know and i think some of those levers maybe you know i'm now more aware of those those things that people want to achieve through education maybe i was you know a little bit kind of uh uh, classroom centered when I started I don't know and you know I was focused on the kids in front of me maybe wasn't looking at having an impact across the big thing um, I, you know I don't know but certainly or maybe I'm just more involved in in Twitter now but certainly I feel like a, a, a polarization possibly is happening um, now what we're going to do is we're just going to hear a couple of adverts uh, and when we come back we'll get deep into the conversation I should say if you're listening in live you can text us in the message box if you're on the Podbean app you can tweet us at tt radio 2022 and we'll continue this conversation about being stuck in the middle of edgy debates when we come back uh, just after these important ads this episode of teachers talk radio has been made possible with support from witherslack group the uk's leading provider of sen education and care they're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events 
aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.wetherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, although I am rapidly deciding to call it the Midnight Show, looking out the window at the dark. It's dark, dark nights now. It's that horrible time of year. Tonight, um, we are talking about being stuck in the middle of edgy debates. I'm joined by Peter and Alan, uh, both experienced educators, to discuss is there a middle ground for teachers between the trad and prog, between group work and recall, between nurture and slant. So let's tune in and talk it out. Um, Now, uh, welcome back, Alan. Thank you. Uh, just gone a little bit quiet there over the break, Alan. So if we can just get r- right up to the microphone. Um, as close as I can be. Okay, well, we will do our best. I might have to have you shouting in a minute. And Peter, are you still with us? Absolutely, yeah, still here, Nathan. Fantastic. Um, now, we kind of set the scene a little bit. We talked a little bit about our personal kind of uh, you know, what we do as educators, some of the things we've seen uh, when we're talking about these debates, and some of them, uh, I'm going to say petty, some of them uh, bigger, bigger things. Um, and so we're talking about, uh, you know, do you have to be, do you see yourself in a particular camp do you think teachers need that kind of ideological alignment? And, you know, so I, I guess I'm asking, do you have to pick a side, Alan? Um, I'm not sure. I uh, uh, I think I kind of wave in the wind, really. And uh, uh, I'm content as a computing specialist um, working with uh, predominantly primary school um, aged children um, just to do my, my thing, as Peter says, on a day-to-day basis. Um, if it fires my imagination, I'll I'll chat about it and write about it and share share my ideas with others. And if others want to listen and join in, then they're very welcome to. And if they don't, then you, they they can take their um take their thoughts and views elsewhere. Um, and Peter, do you do you uh, see a need to be in a camp? Do you see the need to kind of find your your ideological alignment and find that uh, edu textbook that you carry around under your arm? I mean, I think there are definite benefits to it. I mean, what the the what probably possibly the bigger question you're asking there is: Should teachers stand for something? You know, should teachers stand for something beyond just going into the classroom and doing? Um, you know, doing a job. 
Uh, and, you know, I spoke about this earlier in the fact there are some teachers that are like that and, I, you know, absolutely fine. The profession needs those people. Um, but should teachers stand for something? Maybe, you know, it would definitely be. I think if if no teacher stood for anything, I think we'd be poor off. I don't think every teacher needs to stand for something necessarily. But I think the profession needs people that stand for something, that have values and whose practice and pedagogy comes from those values in, in as much as, you know, it comes from evidence and research and, and blah, 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 whatever else. Um, and I think if you do stand for something, then potentially there are benefits to finding like-minded people who stand for similar things for whom you can share that with, talk talk that through with, you know, discuss things with. So I think there are definite benefits to it. It's not all drawbacks of, you know, getting involved in arguments because you can stay away from that. Um, so, you know, maybe for some, probably not for all would be the summer. Fantastic. And okay, so uh, Alan, I'm going to, I don't know, I'll throw this back to you because, you know, I've interacted with you on, on, on Twitter. I, I see you on Twitter. Um, do you feel that you have, you know, those Twitter circles that people make? Uh, every, it's, it's normally this time of year. Do you do you feel like you have a, a like a Twitter circle? Do you have a gang? I, I definitely do. And I love every single person in that Twitter sphere. I genuinely love every single interaction with all of those who uh, regularly kind of um, engage with me and chat to me. And uh, we've had the, we've even had the opportunity to meet in the real world. So it's it is a brilliant, brilliant um, platform, and I'd highly recommend everybody gets involved. Um, and so that, it sounds like that's more about you know sort of friendship and it's more about support and and th those wonderful things that social media can do um do, do you have you know i hate this word when it comes up in school improvement stuff but do you have people who are like a critical friend on twitter oh no absolutely i mean this is where this is where uh, i i absolutely come at social media that because of my specialist role in computing, I'm the only person in a school of a staff of 70. Uh, it's a three or four entry school in East London. We've got 700 kids. There is nobody else who is uh, where I'm at in terms of champion, championing my subject. I mean, even the bosses um, who are an amazing uh, team of um, uh, of, uh, of leaders, of uh, school leaders, uh, with their can-do and want-to attitude, they will admit themselves that they're not um, kind of tech specialists, and so they rely on their uh, middle, su uh, their subject leaders, their, their middle leaders, to uh, effectively drive the school um, and the and the uh, teaching and learning forward. So, for that reason, I want to be sort of out there um, picking up whatever kind of um, feedback I can get from, from, from all corners. I'm more than happy to kind of have that debate where uh, if people say to me, well, why are you teaching um, uh, computer programming to four-year-olds? What is it that makes you de deliver the curriculum that you do in the way you do? So, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not a problem to me. It's, um, if, if anything, it gives me that sense of uh, having a safe space to be able to explore these ideas without management having that 
equivalent conversation at the point that we know that the inspectors are on their way. Uh, yeah, definitely. Peter speaking. Uh, <laughs> I think the, Alan makes a really good point there, and I think you know the thing that that happens, and the thing that we that we sort of tie this towards is that when that space stops being a safe space and starts being a, a space where you feel you have to defend rather than discuss, and I think that's the the sort of ugly side of that 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 we are you know that we that we're touching on here and that's the bit that we've got to try and avoid as far as possible um you know critical is fine um vitriolic dismissive horribleness is definitely not um now really you know i i, I take that on board but i'm going to i'm going to push on with with this point peter and ask you this i think that does us getting into camps in, in whatever way, whether it be trad or prog or uh, evidence-informed or trauma-informed, does us aligning ourselves in some way to, to a camp or to kind of build that adversarial approach of, uh, you know, possibly um, you're, you're attacking my group um, or, um, I, you know, I, I'm part of these people? Peter? Yeah, potentially, but you can, I mean, you know, it's well documented that the social media aspect of this doesn't help in terms of, you know, the sort of things you might say online and not the same sort of things you might say directly to someone in someone's face. But, you know, you can disagree without being dismissive or hurtful or things like that. And, you know, I freely admit I've slipped up myself occasionally and and said things that, you know, in, in retrospect and on hindsight, were, were probably not the best ways to disagree with people. Um, but you can, you know, think somebody's different, uh, think something different to somebody. You can even think somebody's an idiot, but you don't have to bang on and tell them. <laughs> yeah, but certainly, yeah. I mean, there, there is the option of just not responding. Twitter has blocks, it has mutes. You know, we, we have a, a lot of options to us, but but people struggle with that sometimes and, and, and struggle sort of uh, pulling in. Now, I want to kind of segue on to, you know, I've touched on there and, and, and Peter, you've touched on before. So I'm going to go to Alan. You know, you're an experienced teacher. When you're, when you, when you're going around, do you see in schools a difference between traditional and progressive teachers or you know what what are we seeing you know are they, are, is there, is there a you know a, a corner of the staff room where all the trads are hanging out and a corner of the the other side where all the progs are hanging out because that's sometimes how it seems on twitter oh absolutely um but i don't see that at all in real, in the real world uh, what i see is uh, uh from where i've worked um for the last five six years now um it's just an amazing uh, uh space in terms of uh, uh, really supportive colleagues for each other uh working together in the interests of the school and the children um and, and peter yourself you know in you know when you're, you're you're moving around schools even between schools i guess as well but is is there actually a divide out there of you know people who are clearly traditionalists and people who are clearly progressives um no um not really uh not i mean there's a spectrum isn't there and i think that's mm. that's the thing and i think you know there are people whose practice is clearly you know very close to one end of the spectrum very close to the other end of the spectrum there is people whose practice are 
is, you know, much more centred along that spectrum and sometimes it leans one way, sometimes it leans the other way. Are there people who are advocating in a diehard fashion for certain things or, or uh, other things not to the same extent as you would see on Twitter. Certainly I don't think, you know, it becomes more a, a suggestion. Why don't you try it this way? If you're not, if you're not happy with this and it becomes that more supportive conversation, uh, I think is, is where that, where that shows itself. But I, you know, I think that that's entirely understandable for, for many reasons, you know, I mean, Twitter is, is relatively subject blind in 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 what it does you know whereas when you're in schools you will recognize the bit more nuance that actually you know the way i teach maths might not be the best way for you to teach drama um and things like that and you get that 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 sort of nuance is much more apparent when you're actually working with colleagues you're there with colleagues so it becomes that you know, teacher says, I wasn't happy with the way this went. And somebody who might lean more towards the trad side or might lean more towards the prog side might say, well, why don't you try this? Or why don't you try doing it like this? And then it becomes part of a conversation that's designed to be supportive. Uh, you know, and that, that's what happens in schools. It doesn't happen. It, it also is what happens on Twitter an awful lot. You know, let's not get away from that. Uh, you know, for those, like you said earlier, Nathan, those young teachers who are maybe stumbled into that, you may have seen some of the sort of nastier sides of that, but there is plenty of that where that that's the same sort of supportive conversation that's going on. But you will get those, you know, like I said earlier, those passionate people that are passionate about the way they do things. They passionately believe that that is the way that education should be. And they're going to push that and defend that and, and go with that all the time. Um, now I'm going to read out a tweet we had in, um, and, and, and this was from a teacher, and it said, um, I don't have an ideology as such. Uh, I have schools of thought. I borrow things from that mishmash uh, to form my thoughts. And this is always evolving as I absorb new info, read, research. I think healthy debate is important, but some people need to take the ego down, several, a level or several, Um and they go on to say it's very easy to exist in their uh, edu echo chamber. Um, now, Alan, you know we are talking about you know your 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 day to day role of teaching, and if, if there was a fundamental change to that, you know, if if someone came in and said, Do you know what, that is not the way that we are going to teach anymore, we're going to co completely overhaul the curriculum. Would you feel the, the agency, would you feel the power to be able to, to talk, uh, talk back to it, I guess, or, or to question it? Because I think that's what people maybe feel. And certainly, I think what a lot of teachers felt with the Gove reforms. Oh, definitely. I mean, your, um, the tweet you just read out uh, is so beautiful and eloquent and exactly describes where I'm, where I'm, uh, pitching myself i'm once again i'm i'm really really fortunate to be um teaching computing in the way that i do and if as you say when the inspector calls they were to say well actually your your stuff your your entire approach your uh, curriculum is just uh, not what we want then uh, I will defend it to the hilt simply because I've got 40 years of experience be 
beyond teaching. I had years of um, uh, experience in um, in in, co the, in commerce and industry, in building systems, and uh, go going from data processing all the way to uh, building um, organization-wide uh, infrastructure. So I know what exactly what I I want to see for the for um, uh, for a, a technical fu a technological future. So please don't tell me that I don't know my stuff. That's my first point. The the second point is that as a teacher, I am working day in day out with young people who are hungry to learn, and they their hunger for learning is just so beautiful to interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. I feel privileged and honoured and I will do whatever it takes to feed that hunger. Whether it means like today, for example, this morning, I've got half a dozen uh, Chromebooks out for um, for four-year-olds, just what, seem, what might seem to be uh, just playing around. What they're actually doing is demonstrating their ability to uh, use the tech to use the technology independently and building upon that they're going to be then using these platforms for their to kind of further their their um, learning independently and then you've got in the afternoon i'm i'm talking to six and seven year olds to really really exercise their minds about um uh, staying safe online and taking examples and trying to encourage them to show them that what I was, what we were doing was looking at uh, 10 different scenarios and each scenario had four possible outcomes. There were no wrong answers, but it was being able to engage them in that level of discussion and, and helping them understand that whilst in maths, as an, ex as an example, um, there will be an expectation that you're able to solve a particular problem and arrive at a solution. With um, learning, about digital citizenship, there isn't that solution. There isn't that um, quite kind of obvious, uh, correct answer, as it were. It's about being able to um, develop a, a range of skills that go beyond the, the curriculum. Um, and I'm going to go to Peter now, and you know I'm going to pick uh, maths as the example, as you know, as, as a maths leader uh, and experience in that way. And um, I, you know, when I first started teaching, and I, you know, I'll describe this within maths, there was a lot of problem solving tasks. There was a lot of thinking um, logistically. I would, I would maybe describe it. And people who weren't primary school teachers might not have recognised this. They would, they would maybe see them as puzzles or activities that we were doing. Of the, you know, the number of triangles you can make with a certain number of matchsticks, and all of this existed. And and some people really passionately believed in it. And you know, there were websites and and training and everything. Um, you know, um, that they had developed to. to, to to do this well and, and teachers trained like myself to do this well and then we changed and there was a feeling that maybe um you know this the stuff that we had been doing was wrong or that we couldn't continue doing the stuff that we were doing so my question is and, and this is a tough one is there room for a teacher maybe who felt incredibly passionately that they had some of those lessons running really well or they'd really kind of finessed it to continue doing something that is uh, not the current, you know, the, the current favour, or you know, not not our mastery approach or our Singapore maths approach. 
Well, I mean, interestingly enough, both a mastery approach and a Singapore Singapore maths approach would bring activities like that in because, you know, they are mathematics. And if people did stop doing that, then I think that's a real shame because that, you know, that's a big part of mathematics and not just pre, uh, you know, new GCSE, pre-Gove reforms, things like that. 60% of a higher tier maths paper is around reasoning and problem solving. Mm. So from that point of view, you need to develop those those abilities to you know problem solve to think to reason to inquire what potentially needed restressing at least from the point of view of um you know the the reforms at the time was around making sure that pupils a had adequate content knowledge to to actually take that task on and develop it and be to sort of be able to make those connections across what they were doing. And if they didn't have that, then that's when those tasks did become just a bit of, oh, well, let's have some fun and see what we can uh, get out of it. But, you know, not really get a lot out of it. But if if you're, you know, if you're describing teachers that have refined that and done that well, then you're describing teachers that made those links and made those connections and helped pupils to make those connections. So absolutely there is, there, you know, there is still room for that. And I don't just think in maths, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to take exception to something Alan said earlier, by the way, about maths always having one right answer. But, um, but you know, across a multitude of subjects, I'm not experienced enough to know, say every subject, but I can't think off the top of my head of a subject where you wouldn't. Where would you, you know, you want kids that, yes, have strong disciplinary knowledge. Of course you do. But you want kids that can do something with that knowledge beyond just recite it. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I remember this kind of swing well, and there, were, there was an extreme swing at the time, and I, I think that stayed with me as a, as a concern, particularly when we see, you know, things like the the you know reports from Labour coming out about changes they want to make, and these hard sort of swings from one side to the other, and I don't think necessarily if you read through the guidance or the documents, it was that's what they meant to do. I think it was in the implementation of it and people taking it and reading it. Um, and certainly, you know, I was a primary school teacher at the time and I had a, a kid who'd been greater depth in their their writing at year two. And I remember that the, the changes happened and a year later they were working towards the expected standard uh, because they hadn't used enough um, becauses across a range of writing. And, and we saw these kind of hard swings and then it reeled back a little bit and it fell back a little bit and and people softened a little bit and understood the nuance of it a little bit and and that's my worry going forward as you know if we do make any changes that we'll have a hard change you know slam the brakes on everything will change and then we'll gradually work our way back to the middle now i want to bring in here because uh, you know all of us are, are, are probably long enough in the tooth to have seen a couple of changes of approaches to different things but my dad always was a teacher and he he used to uh, you know, laugh and joke. He's he's about eighty now. Um, at the the oh, back here again, are we? When I was talking about the kind of latest thing we were doing, and I'd be like going like, oh yeah, now we're going to do this. It's really new. It's really, and he'd be like, yeah, no, we did that in the sixties. Or I'd go like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna do this, and he'd be like, yeah, no, that that was in the eighties. And we kind of bounce between the two. Um, so, Alan, is that something that you recognise in education? Uh, I'm a complete newbie. I uh, <laughs> qualified in 2012, so I'm very much 
kind of a product of um, of where we are today politically. Um, so uh, I, I haven't seen any of that, but I do recognise what you're saying about um, uh, about the kind of cycle of change. Um, referring back to my pre-teaching uh, days, I saw that as a, as a civil servant. And what I was going to say was that I, I what I saw was uh, with a change of government and a change of, le of, um, of um, uh, government leaders, uh, what you have is just there's no there's there's no kind of pedagogical reason for these changes. The, these people just sit there at uh, the Whitehall Wombles, just sit there and just make make things up just for the sake of being seen to be making that change is what I saw. And I'm referring to the criminal justice system uh, in, in that context. <clears throat> and Peter, yourself, do you you know do you see this kind of these changes maybe s cyclical kind of or, or us bouncing back and, and one group you know grabs the helm and then another group because certainly in some of the discussions that we're seeing or, or potentially people are raising about some of Labour's approach might see us uh, you know they want to make a change to what's been going on uh, you know in education recently. Yeah, um, you know, and like you say, I am. Uh, long enough in that I can just about remember back to, to the last cycle and I think it's well documented and well established that education does cycle around roughly every 20 to 30 years or so like you say 60s, 80s uh, 2000, curriculum 2000 and then changed again 2015 or so um, so I think you know it is well documented that, that that happens and it comes back to what I was saying earlier in terms of usually as Alan rightly says it's through governmental change and it's them either wanting to be seen to be different or actually holding different values and it comes back to what I was saying earlier about you know what these people value from education what they see the purpose of education being affects what they think a curriculum should be what they think the pedagogy should be and things like that what I will say though is if we've got any chance or now i think and i've had this conversation because a friend of mine mark mccourt who's been around a lot longer than i have um sorry mark for <laughs> saying that but uh he you know he he writes about this all the time this 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 and talks about it all the time we've had this discussion but one of the things i have said to him is if we've got probably the best chance right now of not making that so hard in terms of you know putting the brakes on like you say nathan a hard swing because we are more connected and we are more um you know not necessarily organized but we 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 talk to a lot more teachers and this is coming back to something i was talking about earlier in terms of one of the reasons why people i think get into these debates is because for so long teacher voice was was just non-existent you know it maybe came through the unions a bit but it was virtually non-existent and now suddenly we have this opportunity to have this voice and we really want to use it you know we really really want to use it because we care passionately about it um and that spills over into the sort of you know really heated debates that we have but i think at the same time there's the potential there for us like we've seen you know i wasn't a huge fan of of that little group that got together but it is at least <laughs> a group that got together and decided to say something uh you know i thought there were potentially other channels we could do that through but it, it, we do have that opportunity to turn around and say well hang on a minute 
we've been doing this and actually there's some good things to keep from this you know rel relatively collectively as a profession even though we're not never going to get that full professional consensus so yes it definitely does swing but i think we now do have the tools to sort of slow that pendulum down a little bit and make sure it doesn't go quite so far the other way hmm. Um, now I'm going to put my most controversial, I guess, of, of of statements out there, and you know I'll back this up with when I when I read about schools um, such as Michaela and at the other end of the spectrum as well, where there are schools that you know are very much um, you know in a tradition of freedom and student choice and and all of those things. Um, I would say that if you're going to do anything, you have to do it in an extreme way or a fairly extreme way to do it really well. And so that kind of leaves us in this predicament of maybe there being these outliers who we want to copy, and then we half-heartedly do it. What would you say to that, Alan? Yeah, I I'm I can I completely concur with what you say, and it's um I I I'm I struggle at the moment uh, on a personal level because as a family with a daughter who's at a secondary school and a son who's looking for a, a, a secondary school place. Um, I've seen examples of where we've got those uh, free range schools, as one might call it, um, which have this kind of very progressive approach. And I look at them and I kind of, I'm sorry, but I, I just can't be there. I, it, that's not me. That's not my son. That's not our family. And I look at um, Michaela's school and I think, right, if if there was, if I was closer geographically to Michaela's school and uh, there was a space available, I would be ready to sign up. I'll be perfectly honest. But that's where I am as a father rather than as a teacher. Hmm. Um, and, and Peter, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm asking really, um, you know, to, in your example, I guess, to, to teach maths well, you have to pick a pedagogical approach and do that approach really extremely well without muddying the waters. Would that be the case, or do you think there's room for us trying different things from different camps? So I think I'll add one word to what you said, and that word is one in terms of I think if you are going to do one thing really 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 well then yes normally you will potentially be able to go and find a really 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 strong way of doing that and commit to it wholeheartedly and really you know go after that but schools are not trying to do just one thing or the majority of schools are not trying to do just one thing uh, and I think you know when you've got competing aims for what you want yes we want good exam results but we also want this we also want that uh you know i the school i work in is a is a is a cfe school and our motto is learning to live life to the full and there is you know rightly so for me and for my personal values uh there there is rightly also an emphasis on developing the child's character developing the child's um giving child the child opportunities that they might not have from you know their their everyday lives and things like that and you know so 
yeah, there's going to be occasions where kids are missing my lessons because they're going to be off doing this or doing that or doing other things. And yeah, from a subject perspective, sometimes that's a bit frustrating. But as part of the bigger aim for what we're trying, what we're trying to achieve, you know, for pupils, it absolutely fits in. But that means that I can't just do this because I'm not meeting all the other aims that that we've got. So I think when you say, you know, you're going to do one thing and do it really, really well, though, yes, if that's the only thing you're going to do, but schools have many, many different competing aims and, you know, the one size fits all for pupils is probably not something that is going to, to be able to scale across an education system. So schools are having to, you know, going to manage those competing aims and those competing pressures and that is going to mean that there's going to have to be compromise in certain aspects. And, you know, you'll compromise this in order to prioritise it or push this a bit more today and things like that. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I, uh, do you know what? I, as you're talking there, I, you know, I love that sounds. I just love the way that you've described there this year, this idea that there are competing aims. And you're right, you know, I could plan a beautiful sequence of learning. And then there is a child who needs a really important meeting, whether it be with a CAMS referral or social care or, or something that no one would be able to argue with that this needs to happen. And, and, and so they miss out on a part of it. And I need to find a way then. To, to, to fit it all back together I, you know these competing aims I really like that as a description of it um, now we do need to go to the news um, are you guys okay just to stick around after the news we'll give some kind of top tips just to settle the nerves of any new teachers maybe listening out there worried about the war zone of edu twitter um, Alan happy to stick around yes definitely and Peter yeah, I'll be here lovely stuff right we will see you all on the other side of the news This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Saturday the 29th of October saw a so-called March of the Mummies, according to an ITV news report. Hundreds of people campaigning for improvements in childcare and working conditions for parents took part in marches in Manchester and 11 other cities. The march was organised by campaign group Pregnant Then Screwed. 
who say that the UK has some of the world's most expensive childcare. The group believes that children in the UK are being born into poverty because parental leave is not well paid enough and a lack of flexible working conditions is forcing parents out of the workforce. A spokesperson for the campaign group said research suggests that employers are desperately trying to find highly skilled people to work, whilst hundreds of thousands of women who desperately want to work can't. In response, a government spokesperson said the government is committed to supporting working parents and helping them participate and progress in their working life. The UK has one of the most generous maternity leave entitlements in the world. They went on to highlight the recent consultation on making the right to request flexible working a day one right for all. More than £7.5 million has been announced for the extension of mental health programmes for schools in Northern Ireland. Education Minister Michelle McIlveen announced funding continuation for the Engage 3 and Healthy Happy Minds projects. Ms McIlveen said that the feedback from school leaders and staff was that both programmes had been invaluable in helping to support pupils across all educational settings. Both schemes were created to help alleviate the impact of the pandemic on children and young people. Durham University students have queued on the streets overnight to secure a home for next year, according to a report from the BBC. Lists were released and hundreds lined up outside of estate agents in the city, with one student saying some showed up at his current accommodation for a viewing in a panic for next year. The university said it had anticipated pressure on the private rental market and increases in rent and was giving the issue urgent attention. Durham Students' Union described the city's housing market as broken and claimed that increasing student numbers were putting both welfare and education at risk. First-year undergraduates in the city have guaranteed accommodation but have to find their own housing after that. The university is encouraging students to contact their college if they are facing difficulties. TES magazine features a story from Scotland as a teaching watchdog raises child protection concerns with the government. The General Teaching Council for Scotland says its role protecting children is being adversely affected by police failing to share information. A judge ruled last year that critical evidence should be shared by police but the GTC for Scotland says the change has been slow to take effect. New figures also show that the GTCS, Fitness to Teach process, has also been hit by the pandemic, with the average time taken to close a case increasing to 249 days during 2021-22, compared to 113 days the previous year. The GTCS is responsible for investigating and making decisions about Scottish teachers' fitness to teach, and says it relies on agencies sharing information and making referrals. Police Scotland's Assistant Chief Constable responded by saying that child protection is a priority and no child will be put at risk of harm. The GTCS has recently come into criticism for its handling of child protection cases. The full article is available via TES magazine. Professor Alison Beverstock has been awarded with special recognition at the Soldiering On Awards 2022 held in London recently. Professor Baverstock is the founder and director of the charity Reading Force, which promotes shared reading within Force's families. The UK's 130,000 Force's children typically face ongoing challenges such as disrupted education, uncertainty and parental absences. The Reading Force project was designed to promote family connectivity through books, 
as well as raise higher education aspirations, engagement and transition. The Soldiering On Awards recognise the achievements of those serving in the armed forces as well as those who support them. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about buying a laptop, a question I get asked all the time. So this is what you need to know if you're considering buying a laptop for yourself or a loved one. First up, it's physical shopping versus online shopping. My only advice on this is consider how much you're saving online. If a device goes wrong and you bought it from a shop, you can take it back. Online support will usually require you having to post the device back, which can be a bit messy. Even if you buy online, it's always good to visit a shop and actually see the device. I use these few tests to help me decide on a laptop. First, what is it for? If it's for gaming, then you need to look if it will run the games you want to play. All gaming machines will tell you how they perform with popular games. Pick your game and then it will just be a balancing act on how much you're willing to pay. More expensive usually equals better gameplay. Screen size is my next decision. If I'm going to be taking it places then a smaller screen will make it easier to fit in a bag. If you're using it a lot you might want a bigger screen. Next I try the G test. This is incredibly technical. It involves pressing the G on the keyboard and seeing how much the keyboard flexes. This is a good indicator of build quality. More robust designs will flex less. Sometimes this is a factor I use to decide between two models that are equally powered. If you're a bit of a DIY computer geek, then see if you can upgrade the hard drive and the RAM, etc. Some top-end gaming machines have a cheaper model and bar a small amount of graphics speed, simply have more RAM and a bigger hard disk. Next up is the operating system and the life of the device. Pretty much every device will have a point in time where it's not supported anymore and will upgrading. It won't stop working but you'll no longer be able to keep up to date. Sometimes a device with a shorter upgrade life will look appealing because it's cheaper. However, in the long run, it won't last as long. Will a reconditioned computer suit you better? A second-hand or reconditioned machine will usually be considerably less. After all the other checks, have a look at the keyboard. The spacebar, if not replaced, will give a good indicator of the amount of use the machine has had. With new or old, feel how hot it gets. Some laptops run hotter than others. This could be uncomfortable if it's on your knee. Look where the power socket is. Will it be an obstruction in your favorite chair if it's leaned on regularly it can be broken finally don't be dazzled by flashy lights and gimmicks at first you notice them they'll soon be a part of the furniture there's no such thing as a bad machine nowadays there are lots of machines purchased though which are not fit for purpose as always feel free to send your thoughts to at tt radio 2022 i'm steve woods and that was two minute tech two minute tech with steve woods your tech briefing on teachers talk radio Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, here on Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, now you join us towards the end of the show, so if you have missed the start and want to listen back, you'll be able to find this at ttradio.org slash listenback, where you can find all of our shows. And there's even a handy feature there where you can type into the search bar what topics you're looking for and be able to search all of our past thousand or so shows uh, to be able to see what's there that you want to listen to 
out and about on the way to work, whatever it is you listen to. Um, you can also find it on uh, Spotify, on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast downloads. And don't forget, if you are listening to us on there on iTunes, give us one of those little five-star reviews uh, and click just to say how much you've enjoyed it. It'd be great to get that feedback. Now, tonight, uh, this week, we are talking about being stuck in the middle of edgy debates. I'm joined by Peter and Alan, both experienced educators, to discuss is there a middle ground for teachers between trad and prog, between group work and recall, between nurture and slant. So we're going to get going. And don't forget, there is still time for you to call in or message in. You can tweet us at TT Radio 2022 on Twitter. Uh, now, welcome back, Alan. Thank you. Lovely. And Peter, welcome back. Thank you very much. Uh, lovely. Uh, gents, just coming through a little bit quiet there. I'm going to see if I can turn it up. But if you, uh, yeah, um, we will uh, carry on. Um, I, um, I always like to check just in case, you know, the news, and then sometimes it catches people out and uh, and they haven't quite made it back. Now, we have talked a lot about the ins and outs and why we think this is and what it's like for us, maybe, or for, for people being in the middle and how to negotiate it. Um, you know, there'll be young new teachers joining us looking to join discussions within the profession. You know, someone might have just set up, and I do feel for them sometimes when I see them, uh, and they, they set up a Twitter account and they maybe share. And a perfect example of this would be someone's really proud of a knowledge organiser they've done for Key Stage 1, and they share that out there, and they, you know, immediately their first reaction of, of Edu Twitter is that they are shot down. So I wonder if we can start maybe about, you know, a, a little bit of advice on what, how you guys uh, conduct yourselves, uh, possibly, and I'll talk about how I do it, online and uh, navigating the kind of uh, teacher discourse around the way. So if we start with Alan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, um, uh, my, my history, I recently wrote about my uh, uh, history with Twitter uh, in, a, in a blog with Nexus, um, Nexus Ed. Um, and you'll be able to find the, the link to that blog. Uh, but essentially, um, I take it with a pinch of salt. Uh, because if there will be, if, if you get one like, that's, that's, all that's needed essentially um, there will be many people who will think that they've uh, got reason or grounds to uh, take a piece of work apart but ignore them they're not they're not you it's not your it's not their lesson it's you preparing it for your school for the children that you're working with um, so just go ahead if you want to share it great if you don't want to share it don't have to um, and, and Peter, what about yourself? If you had, you know, maybe a young teacher coming to you and sort of saying, oh, I've just set up a Twitter account, what would you be saying to them about maybe the hazards of getting involved in edu Twitter itself or online discourse about uh, teaching practices and, and, and ways to do things? Um, yeah, I mean, I think what Alan said there is important, and it's one of the things that I would definitely talk about is, you know, remember that your context is different from everybody else's context and that something that you might produce and you might share that you feel is going to work for you and in your context is, um, you know, then other people might disagree for their context. And, you know, that's absolutely fine to have a disagreement. I would like to say that those, you know, that those conversation should be constructive so you know if you don't like uh if there's something you don't like what would be great is if you you know people were saying things like well why have you chosen to do that and because that can be really powerful you know that can be that can be a really good 
thing to do. So I wouldn't be necessarily saying don't engage, but I would be saying don't engage with those people who are just being critical and not constructive and literally mute them, whatever you, you know, whatever you need to do to not engage with them. Uh, but if they're just being critical and not being constructive, there's, there's no point. But if they are trying to be constructive, if they're challenging your thinking, if they're forcing you to articulate the decisions you've made in the creation of that resource or in the, you know, in the, in the approach that you've taken, then that is actually, you know, one of the really useful things about edgy Twitter. And that's the sort of thing you definitely should engage with. Yeah. Sorry, go on, Alan. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, I completely agree with what Peter's saying. And that's the reason why I do what I do. I'm more than happy to share my stuff simply because I want that feedback. You know, whether it's kind of, oh, thanks very much. That's, that was a, a really nice piece of work. Or what on earth are you thinking? I, I, I want that. I'm at that point in my, uh, in my professional walk where I, I just want to hear f- that argument and be able to uh, be, be challenged by... Um, by the uh, the wider teaching community, and coming back to what you were saying, Nathan, about welcoming uh, newer and um, uh, newer members of uh, the teaching community, yeah, t- social media is a wonderful place to pick up uh, a wealth of wisdom from uh, people like yourselves. Can I? Just, sorry, yeah, I think. Can I just come back in as well? Yeah, go for it. Um, in terms of you know, we talk about young teacher potential going on, sharing things, stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, and that's fine. But I think the biggest bit of advice I would give to young teachers who are just entering edu Twitter and and sort of sit, or even not necessarily young teachers, just newer teachers, less experienced teachers, coming in and seeing those debates is you are probably, if you're in your first 10 years of teaching, you are probably not fixed in terms of where you're going to end up. So, you know, don't get drawn into that passionate defense of one thing or another thing listen watch maybe you know say well again maybe talk from your context i'm you know i'm a second year teacher and this is what i've been shown and try and have that constructive dialogue but your your opinions on all sorts of things are going to change over the next 10 years if you've been doing this less than 10 years so and even after that your opinions are likely to change about some things as well so you know the position you are passionately defending now may well not be where you want where you are in in five ten years time so be where that's the bit big bit of advice i would give to teachers who are you know less experienced who are joining twitter in the edge of twitter circles for the first time is just be that little bit sort of not conciliatory but but recognize your own inexperience you do still have valuable things to say absolutely and we want to hear them but just be aware of the fact that you know you're not you're not yet the teacher you are going to become and you may find that some of those things that you go really hard on now not necessarily going to be the case in Oh, absolutely that. And uh, it is context is key. And really, does it make a difference? Does it make a difference to your day to day uh, work life? Will it will it really make that big change in the way you do what you do? 
Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, sometimes when I see it and, you know, particularly and I feel this for young teachers or, or new teachers or maybe just someone who's, you know, changing what they're doing or looking to find a new way is that there, there will be some people who are very, very expert in their craft. And they are, you know, they, they are talking about finessing something to within, you know, the, 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 it's, it, the inch of its perfectness of, you know, like we, we, the two stars and a wish for everything, no matter how good it is. Um, and there will be people like that. And I think, you know, actually, if you look to some of those people who maybe are further along in their careers or maybe are expert, but also talk to people who are a similar level you know, who are making the same mistakes. And I follow a lot of fairly new teachers. So I try and kind of create, a you know, a bit of breadth in, in, in what I see online because I like seeing them make mistakes, not in a bad way. It just reminds me of the new things. And, and you never know, someone's going to come into it as a career changer, bring a different perspective, maybe find something, something that I've never looked at before. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a career changer. I, I joined the profession in my 40s and um, I'm, I'm um, only six years away from uh, not needing to be in the classroom anymore. So, uh, I, but I'm learning every day. I'm learning from uh, those people who are just walking in uh, to their first placement, uh, working alongside them um, at my school, to those people who have, um, like, um, uh, people who have um, left uh, my school in the last couple of school years who had um, uh, double decades of, uh, of experience. And, um, you know, I, I want to finish off and I want to kind of hit, you know, our, our discussion with work looping all the way back about, you know, I have been talking about there being a middle ground. I'm not sure that middle ground is the right word, uh, maybe a nuance. Um, I, I, I don't like that word gets used a lot anyway, and I'm not sure I like that either. But is there, you know, within education, is there space for people, you know, I would say like me, who aren't really interested in you know culture wars or political you know the, those kind of bits I am a little bit and you know I have my own pedagogies that I and ideologies but I just want to do the best teaching and I'm not really care where that from um Peter do you think there's there's room for someone like that in education I mean not only is there room for someone like that in education I think what you've described is the vast majority of, of teachers uh you know the vast 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 majority of teachers are in that space and I think that is absolutely the right thing. And I also think it's absolutely the right thing for there to be those few teachers who really do sort of, like I said earlier, passionately believe in something and want to drive that. But I think the skill for everybody else is, okay, well, what bits am I going to take from there? What bits am I going to take from there that fit with my context? I think, you know, as uh, I think it was Dylan William that said, everything works somewhere and nothing works everywhere. So you've got to, as, a, as, a, as somebody in that middle ground, you've got to develop that filter for those bits that you're going to take that are going to be useful and those bits that you're going to take that aren't. But I think that, you know, there's absolutely space and it is right and good for the profession that we have people all the way along that spectrum who can, you know, who can challenge the thinking um, and who can, you know, keep pushing us to keep going there. Because if everybody was just in that middle ground, we probably wouldn't improve as quickly as we do. We need those people at the extremes, but at the same time, the middle ground is where the vast majority of people are going to. 
Um, and Alan, what about yourself? What's your opinion on there being, you know, space for the middle ground? Do we need the firebrands? No, absolutely. I, 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 I totally agree with Peter that I think the teaching community where we are today is is absolutely uh, driven by uh, the uh, the majority. Um, but the majority are kind of sparked into thinking about and challenged in our in our day to day practice by. Um, the extremes and being able to kind of respond and reflect on uh, what others are saying. Fantastic. Now, uh, you know, it is, uh, you know, getting towards the end of the show, and we do, as I said, need to wrap a few things up. Um, now, I want to say, uh, you know, a big thank you to, to Peter for coming on. Um, Peter, we do, you know, I give a little bit of space at the end. Is there anything that you need to plug or if people want to reach out and contact you, um, how do they get in touch? Yeah, so I suppose I should. The publisher will thank me for it. Uh, yeah, so you, if you want to, you know, debate me or involve me in debates, then my Twitter handle is at Mr. Mattock. I am more than happy to engage in that. Like I say, I am one of the people that is passionate about this profession that we work in and this sector that we work in uh, and will, you know, happily engage with people who are being constructive and not just dismissive and or uh, argumentative for its own sake. Uh, and then, yeah, I will, I suppose, uh, plug my website, uh, which is linked to my first published book, visiblemaths.co.uk, which is the website. The book is Visible Maths, uh, which if you're a maths teacher out there, have a look, see what you think. And then my upcoming one, which is much bigger, uh, Conceptual Maths, which is due to be published next month. Uh, so do look out for those and thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to plug those no, that is fine and Alan if people want to reach out and, and get in touch with you uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at T-S-U-I that's Tango Sierra Uniform India I know my phonics uh, um, I know my international uh, phonics code uh, simply because of the years I spent uh, uh, working with the police so it's uh, Tango Sierra, Uniform India, Alpha Lima Lima, Echo November. That's incredibly impressive, actually. I was, you know, that kind of that kind of thing. I I, I would have got halfway through, uh, and, and that's brilliant stuff. Now, I will say, if you're if you're listening um, live and you want to hear more, you can go to. Uh, there are no more shows on this evening, but you can hear some of the episodes that have been launched this week. Uh, we've had uh, some special book launch shows where um, there have been uh, authors coming on to talk about their upcoming projects. We have also had a lot of spaces on this week on Twitter, which you can find on our Twitter feed and you'll be able to track through and listen back to some of those uh, spaces and those interviews uh, across all of our platforms. And this one, of course, will be available at ttradio.org slash listen back or on iTunes on, um, I've forgotten what the other ones are. Spotify is the one that I use. And I'm sure there's another one that I've forgotten. Uh, but it is across all of it, however you listen. Um, thank you again, guys. Um, I, if, from South Wales, we say Nostar, which is good night. So Nostar, good night. Good night, Nathan. Thanks for having us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And we will play you out with our closing jingle. Good night, everyone. Nostar. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.